Inspiration, Adventist Reflections. Now, to discuss character building ideas, here is your host, Dr. Denzi. Hi family, welcome back to the Adventist Reflections Podcast. It's week two of this season on how to understand the Bible. I would like to thank a person very close to me who has requested to remain anonymous. She has kindly recorded the background music that you can hear here today and only here in the Adventist Reflections Podcast. Today we speak about the interpretation of the Bible in terms of its origin and nature. But let us go back down a little bit. Let us digress. Last week we spoke about making this journey a personal journey so that the question remains here, why would it really matter? Why do you have to make this personal? The answer here might be simple or not. In the words of Frank and Michael Hazel, Our biblical interpretation shapes the outcome of our theology, message, and mission. So, we must make sure that we first understand where the Bible comes from and how it was given prior to making any assumptions or attempts to interpret it. As a psychologist, something rather interesting is that our interpretation of the Bible, and may I say of the acceptance of its content, seems to be directly proportional to our experience at large. And also, it seems to be related to our understanding of its origin. You see, it doesn't matter if you grew up in a Christian or no Christian home, your acceptance of rejection of, of what you hear or read in the Bible will be shaped by your experience in life as well as your understanding of its intended message. This is why it's so important that the principles utilized in studying the scriptures become consistent, are consistent to what God and how God intended them to be. So, you may ask, why is that so interesting to you, Dr. Danzi? Well, when I hear somebody speaking about the Bible or a text in the Bible, it is rather easy to see where they stand in the relationship with God and also how they perceive him and how they perceive the Bible. But perhaps more important is the fact that if the Bible was true, and so I believe it to be, its content has life and death implications. We spoke about that last week. Moreover so, the rewards and the consequences described in its content cannot be ignored. So, a mindful devotion that involves much reflection as we read the scripture is necessary to find its true meaning. If the Bible is the word of God to us, and again, so I believe it to be, then we must come to read such passages with a willingness to stand under its authority, willingness to be changed, transformed, and also judged by its message. 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17 says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God, that is the one who reads, believes and accepts, might be perfect through the furnished unto all good works. That means the Bible will lead us to do good works. 
Now, you might be thinking, Dr. Danson, you're saying here that if we study the Bible, we'll do good works that will save us? Not at all. We're just talking that the Bible can lead people to do good works. Let us continue with this idea of origins, interpretation, and truthness. When you meditate on the words in the Bible, it is easy to realize that the Bible is a precious gift given by God to help us find purpose, to bring us to a final destination, to give us hope amidst challenges and difficulties. King David once said, Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name give glory because of your mercy and because of your truth. What a bold statement today. As a scientist practitioner, I was indoctrinated by the view that not true is absolute, that everything is rather relative. Everything must be subjected to the principles of scientific reasoning. Today we talk about this idea of relativism. These words of giving glory to God given by David, that king, saying that we give you glory because of your mercy and your truth, seem to bring two possibilities. Perhaps more, but I can think of two right now. One, either his truth is true or, or it doesn't exist because at the end of the day, every truth is relative. However, to accept the second premise is rather interesting because one cannot accept such premise and thus deny the existence of God. That is, if God does exist, and I said it before, I do believe he does, then by default, the truth that David spoke of, that is, that God's truth must be absolute and not relative, and any other truth that you might fabricate makes either no sense or little impact when compared to God, who, by definition, is the supreme eternal being of the universe and beyond infinity. All of this might sound too complex. It makes sense in my mind, but I've been thinking about this for a while. But let me simplify it somehow. When we look at the history of prime Ivy type of league institutions, we have that their foundation, and we could argue their thrive, was founded in the Bible. Let me give you three examples. Harvard University, well-known university, was founded in about 1636 and had its cornerstone of knowledge and truth ruled by the precepts of the Bible. Its university students were made to exercise the mind by reading twice a day the Bible and by giving account of what they read in order to see the light given to the world by God. Unfortunately, by the early 1700s, Harvard moved away from its biblical foundation and then Protestant Christians established what we know today as Yale University in an attempt to rescue this biblical foundation. The center of this university, Yale University, in its seal contains a Bible with the words Urim and Thummim, and this is surrounded by the Latin phrase Lux et veritas, which means light and truth. I don't know about you, I don't know what you think about this, but it sounds to me that the scriptures was at the center of this fundamental reasoning institution. In this academic institution foundation, they considered that the source of light and truth was not relative, but was rather absolute truth, and this truth was found in the Bible. What about Princeton University, founded in the mid-1700s? It has its official seal 
the Bible with the world's Old and New Testament and a motto that translated to Under God's Power She Flourishes. So, at some point in time, our greatest world institutions somehow, sadly, degraded. Its fundamental origins eroded and its teachings became relative and without hope. What does it mean for you and I? I ask you to reflect on your standing in the Bible last week. Today I ask you to reflect, do you consider the Bible as the absolute word of God? Do you agree that this is the wisdom, the desires and the plans of God revealed for men to know, understand and believe? Or have you, on the other side, accepted largely the modern and postmodern philosophies that elevate criticism and autonomous human reasoning beyond God's word? Have you erased from your reasoning any concept of absolute truth? Have you been permeated by the oxymoronic idea that the only absolute truth is that which is relative? It is indeed the replacement of absolute truth, what has majorly eroded biblical presumptions and assumptions. This has resulted in methods of understanding of the Bible that make Christians' institutions weak. The Hazel brothers in the book of How to Interpret the Bible share a fascinating view. Quote, Secular and religious thinkers alike recognize that our survival is at stake. Modernism has failed and so has its belief in progress and the arrival at ultimate truth through human reason and science alone. End quote. To me, what is even more fascinating is what we find in the Bible, where Paul is inspired as he writes in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, the following. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Ultimately, there is but one power that desires to overthrow the word of God. And we read of this power in Revelation, the book of Revelation, chapter 12, verse 17, saying, And the dragon, that is Satan, was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offsprings, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So, could it be possible that in a desire to free ourselves from all absolutes, our postmodern world has become empty, lost and without hope? If this is true, if the devil is behind such a plan, the result of rejecting the Bible would be that today we, we would see less hope, less direction, less moral-based decision-making in our world, and instead we would see more selfishness, more crime, more desperation, situational depression, morbid situational anxieties, and complex grievances that drive us to despair. For those who understand the messages found in the Bible, uh, it is easy to see how the current condition of our society will be radically changed if we were to spend time in it. What is more so is that it is not just about reading it, but about understanding it, since there is no benefit in reading something that we really cannot grasp. The fact is that when we understand his message, we will understand the joy, the hope, and the peace that makes God's revelation more relevant today than at any other point in time 
in this Earth's history. Paul Actimia, in his book Inspiration and Authority, Nature and Function of Christian Scripture, states that the Christian community that abandons the authority of the biblical witness becomes little more than the mouthpiece of whatever current cultural norms catch its fancy. So, how was the Bible inspired? There are various methods that people have come with to understand the Bible, I guess, from mortal inspiration to direct verbal inspiration, thought inspiration, and complete inspiration. Some believe that it was given to men verbatim. Some others believe that it was just human ideas convoluted together and somehow became some compilation of people around the world. And yet others believe that it was some kind of possession of the mind. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit moved upon biblical writers. Peter says in 2 Peter 1 verses 20 and 21 that we must know that no prophecy of a scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of men, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And Paul, speaking to the Thessalonians, said, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you welcome it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God which also effectively works in you who believe. So, God inspired men like you and I to give a message from Him relevant to men today. In their book, Frank and Michael Hazel stated that taking the divine character of Scripture seriously avoids the pitfall of viewing the Bible as purely human product over which people stand as judges. It motivates us to treat biblical words with respect and love. It encourages humble and honest inquiry, allowing the Bible to shape our lives and our worldviews. The bottom line here is the Bible's origin is from God and its nature is inspired and revealed to men by Him. Only one question remains. Do you accept God's absolute truth today? I am Dr. Denzi, and today I choose to love God and follow His absolute truth. And where I am in doubt, I pray, God, I believe, help my unbelief. How about you? Remember to subscribe to this podcast, like it, share it, hashtag it, comment, and find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and Tumblr as Adventist Reflections. God bless you.